Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Uh, normally, I'm out of the very hip and sexy Line Hotel, but instead, I am in my not nearly as hip and definitely not sexy ba- uh, bedroom right now. But I am really fortunate that I still get to do Industry Night and talk to the people in the food, wine, and hospitality industry who are making an impact during this pandemic that has affected all of us. It is so hard to believe that we are knee deep into week eight, looking at week nine, and there's lots of rumblings out there about things opening and things changing. Um, I'm going to be the mommy to everybody. Wear a goddamn mask, please. Social distance, please. If we want our lives back in any sort of way, Um, And I am saying this as the biggest not rule follower ever. I hate following rules. If you tell me to go left, I go right. But this time I am following the rules and I beg you all to do the same. Uh, So much great stuff happening out there uh, in the D.C. uh, restaurant community and industry, uh, whether they're uh, feeding those who can't feed themselves, putting money into the hands of restaurants. um, and there are so many virtual events. So if you go to the website, thelistareyouonit.com, our calendar is back up. We're so um, thrilled to have that. There are virtual cocktail classes and discussions and workout classes and um, cooking demos. So lots of ways to integrate with the community. Uh, you can actually order things in advance so that you can participate um, along the way. In the buzz column, you'll find the latest in takeout and delivery. It's all there for you. Mother's Day, it's here. Don't forget your mom. Pandemic as a mother is no excuse. Uh, so uh, whether you order brunch or lunch or dinner, there's also great gift items as well. So go to the website, the list, are you on it.com. Of course, you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for what is happening in and around our community um, during all times, but especially now. So I'm really excited today because um, when this pandemic hit, the first thing everybody was talking about was hand sanitizer. It was, it went, it, you couldn't find it on the shelves before toilet paper. It was the first panic bought item. And it is nowhere to be found in stores, not on store shops, not the, not the name brand kinds, that's for sure. Um, and local distilleries were like, Hmm, I think we have an answer here. Um, and with me today, I have Jordan Cotton on the phone, Jordan Cotton, uh, and his partner, uh, Reed Walker did Cotton and Reed. They are DC's first rum distillery. They launched in 2016. They have a fabulous space off of 14th street and, uh, they are really part of the innovators in the distilling scene here in the DC metro area. And, and I do hope they continue to be, uh, they met at NASA, which I think is really interesting. And I wonder if their pivot 
to uh, hand sanitizer had to do with some of their science background. I'm not sure. We'll find out. So, um, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me this, uh, this afternoon. Absolutely. So Thanks for having me. let's give everybody a little 411 first about the distillery. Uh, just how you guys got started, what your concept was, uh, the, the tasting room, etc. Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned earlier, uh, when we opened up in November of 2016, we became, uh, we believe the first ever rum distillery in DC. Um, Reed and I had met at our old jobs doing, uh, you know, consulting for NASA in the space industry, satellite manufacturers, that kind of thing. Um, and we were just really into spirits as a hobby. And as we went more and more down that rabbit hole, we got more and more into rum and, um, decided to try and, uh, turn that hobby into, you know, full-fledged distillery. So it took about four years to open the company, but, um, uh, what we really wanted to do with the distillery was introduce people who maybe um, haven't looked at rum in a while to a really different kind of rum than, than maybe they've experienced. Um, and all our recipes really uh, try to gear towards that. So um, a good example is probably our dry spice rum, one of our flagship products, which has probably a bit more in common with like gin and Amaro than with uh, Captain Morgan's type of thing. It's, uh, it's really not sweet and it's, uh, doesn't have any vanilla, which tends to dominate most of those big commercial brands. Um, it's got a bunch of leafy green herbaceous stuff, earthy bitter roots and a pretty low added sugar content. So that, that's the kind of thing we try to do to really change people's minds. Uh, we, we have people who come into the distillery tasting room all the time who are like, ah, you know, I had too much, Sailor Jerry's when I was 19 and now I'm not a rum person. Um, and I kind of like to say, you know, maybe that's like if you had a bunch of Southern comfort one time and decided you weren't a whiskey person, um, you know, maybe you, uh, need to just broaden your, broaden your horizons a little bit. Um, so that's really what we've tried to do for like three and a half years, both distributing our rums through bars, restaurants, liquor stores around the area, and then bringing people into our bar, um, at the distillery itself. So, you know, of course, when this happened, we had to close our own bar and all the bars that we normally sell through also closed. So, um, right. So in a heartbeat, kind of you up. went from running your own tasting room slash bar and deliveries, right? I mean, except, well, before we get into the hand sanitizers, although lots of restaurants are now pivoting and they are doing, uh, they can sell booze, right? So they can sell product. I mean, I'm sure the orders aren't nearly as high as they used to be, but are people using you in that capacity? So like we call it like your favorite restaurant is now your favorite uh, bodega because they can sell a little bit of everything. Like, are you seeing any business from that? Absolutely. Um, Most notably through our, uh, our neighbor coconut club who are great friends of ours. Um, Adam, the chef and owner over there um, did a pop-up at cotton and Reed for a few months, trying out a bunch of food concepts and getting into the neighborhood before they open the restaurant. Um, And we haven't been doing any home delivery. They're doing a ton. So they've been um, delivering a bunch of rum, which has been awesome for us. Great to keep that partnership going with them. Um, and a few other spots as well, but, um, that has been nowhere near what our distribution volume, um, would have been altogether through all the bars and restaurants. So how did you decide to get into hand sanitizer? It, It seems to me like when I look back, I mean, I know we're going back like eight weeks ago already. It's so hard to believe. Um, but like eight weeks ago, it's sort of like 
it like turned on a dime. Like all of a sudden I started hearing about you and a couple other people that were like, yeah, we're getting into the hand sanitizer business. I mean, I didn't know, I don't think the lay person, I mean, you know, your business, I don't know your business, but the lay person was probably like a distillery doing hand sanitizer. Like what's the correlation? Why does that work? Yeah. Uh, great question. So there are uh, a few pieces that go into that. One is just, we have the, the gear required to, um, produce large volumes of high proof ethanol, which is the main ingredient in hand sanitizer. Um, and, uh, to handle and blend and package that, you know, your average, um, your average bar isn't going to be able to, um, produce or blend, you know, hundreds of gallons, or at this point we're doing thousands of gallons of, uh, of hand sanitizer. Um, you know, we've got the, uh, the, the forklift and the tanks and the, you know, all the gear you need to measure everything to, uh, the precise points that, that regulations require. Um, and in a lot of ways it's a similar skill set to what we normally do, but just a completely different application. Um, and then the other piece is regulatory, um, are, uh, we're typically regulated by the Tax and Trade Bureau, which is part of the Treasury Department. They're the ones who say, you know, if you do this and you put this in it and you age it for this long, you can call it, you know, straight bourbon whiskey. And they're the ones we pay our uh-huh. taxes to and that kind of thing. Um, they sent all the distilleries in the country a um, communication at the beginning of this pandemic saying, hey, we know a bunch of you are already making hand sanitizer um you know, that is officially cool by us. Uh, so they actually turned really quickly, which I don't think is something that we normally think of, uh, you know, federal regulators being able to do moving, moving quickly on their feet. But, um, but they did, I, you know, I, for one was really impressed with their speed. Um, and then ditto for the the FDA, Uh which regulates hand sanitizer. Normally they're the ones who tell us, you know, you need this much ethanol in there and you also need, this much glycerin and this much uh, hydrogen peroxide and the water you use needs to be, you know, boiled or filtered according to these specifications and whatnot to make sure your hand sanitizer is safe. Uh, so the FDA came out and said, you know, yes, distilleries, you're, you're able to do this. Um, so, uh, um, so that was a big part of the picture, just knowing that we're allowed to do it because we, we live in a, a world of red tape. But I understand. And this is from talking with other uh, people who wanted, who wanted to get into hand sanitizer, but, actually didn't was that um Mm -hmm. making it was one thing right so there's the whole what you had to do to make it and having the ability to make it in the large quantities that you were but then there's the packaging it i mean what were you going to do put it in your cotton and reed rum bottles like then you had to go source source how to package it right Yeah. Um, and that is definitely, um, something that I did not anticipate being one of our most time consuming problems to solve over the course of the last few weeks, but we've spent a ton of time trying to dig up bottles. Um, you know, if you go Google bulk plastic bottles with, you know, spray caps on them, um, you probably will not find anything online, no matter how many pages deep in your Google results you go, the whole packaging industry has basically just been um, picked completely bare by the demand for hand sanitizer. If you call up a, a bulk packaging company, you know, they'll pick up the phone and be like, Oh yeah, you're calling about hand sanitizer. Yeah. We don't have anything. Um, so we have been just scraping it together. We have, um, uh, 
most of the bottles we've bought have actually come from a company that I think normally supplies the vape industry. So like you buy your, you know, bubblegum flavored <laughs> e-juice or whatever to vape, um, the little bottles that those come in. Um, that is what we've been mostly using for our, our two ounce okay. little personal size bottles. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is. It's been very tricky out there. We're always nervous. So I have, I'm just going to throw this at um, you because I just thought of it. Like, you know, those pouches that mm-hmm. they've been using for cocktails, because I literally just got a press release before we went on air about uh, those, you know, they're like larger than Capri Sun. We're supposed to like go back to our childhoods, but drink booze out of them kind of thing. What about those? Right. Okay. I like it. Uh, I wonder also, maybe those would work in some of those dispensers that accept pouches of, you know, hand soap and stuff like that. We've had a lot of people reach out who run, you know, a big building or warehouse or office of some kind who has those dispensers around, but then they can't find anything. Something like that. And also um, like you guys are going to be like super in need because if we start opening and we, we will get in what that looks like for you as a company. um, But if we do start opening slowly, hand sanitizer is going to be, one of the key components of any establishment. So whether it's a hair salon, there's going to need to be hand sanitizer all over the place or an office building or a restaurant or whatever it is, there is just going to have to be copious amounts of that. So the question is, is like, how do you, how do you get in on that? Like, how do you make sure that you're as a, as a way of income until you're back up and running as a full distillery, how do you guys get in on that? How do you do that? Right. Do you talk to distributors? Like, do you go back to that route all um, over again? Yeah. Um, great question. So Jordan, um, Jordan, can that I interrupt you for has a been, I don't know if you have noticed or not, but one thing yeah. I am really good at is great questions. I'm really good at great questions. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, so let's see. I would say we've been most focused in our sales so far on the essential workers who are still out there working. So we've been selling a whole lot of hand sanitizer to like construction companies, for example. You, you've probably noticed driving to the grocery store, huge construction sites are still... Um, still humming at their normal schedule. Uh, delivery drivers, we've sold a whole lot of hand sanitizer to Amazon for their delivery drivers. Um, you know, first responders, we've donated a bunch to uh, first responders and local governments, uh, as well as sold a bunch to local governments. Um, and uh, the group of people who are going to be back at work and need hand sanitizer all day, every day is about to explode if we reopen again. So um, we, uh, have definitely had no shortage of inquiries. We're usually um, a little more worried about running out of hand sanitizer than we are about uh, okay. finding people to buy it right now. Um, so we're really just trying to keep those production gears turning. But we do also have a, a you know sales team out there making sure that people know uh, that we have this stuff available. So you know normally we have. Uh, our sales director and he's got a a bunch of account managers underneath him who interact with our liquor stores and bars and restaurants. So, um, they've been going out and, you know, knocking on doors at liquor stores that are still open. They're considered essential, making sure that they've got what they need and that kind of thing. Um, so we're, uh, yeah, we're just, we're just trying to keep up and stay ahead of the the demand, which just keeps on coming. Are you able to make hand sanitizer and distill your rum at the same time? I mean, are you able to do both? 
we are okay. uh, we're working on it. So uh, for the first few months of this year, we produced and bottled uh, a whole bunch of rum and uh, had a pretty good inventory cushion underneath us when this pandemic hit. So um, for the past couple months, we haven't produced any rum. Actually, um, as we're talking right now, we're uh, bottling rum for the first time in about two months right now because we're actually uh, starting to starting to run low on a couple of our products. Um, so, uh, we had shifted everything over to hand sanitizer and, uh, starting this, yeah, this week we're having to figure out, you know, okay, well, if we need to blend this much hand sanitizer, then that means that this part of our distillery and this piece of equipment are unavailable for rum. So then it, yeah, it's been quite a logistical, uh, game of Tetris there. But, um, but I think we've figured out a, a way to make it work, but it's required some investments. Basically we've had to, uh, spend a bunch of money so that we can buy, you know, a fancy pump that can pump high proof spirits without exploding to make a hand sanitizer. And then another one to be able to, I was, you know, do rum I was going to ask time, about basically. the flammability um, of hand sanitizer. It must be off the charts. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we are actually required by the uh, FDA to uh, produce our hand sanitizer at 80% alcohol by volume, which is uh, a bit higher than um, Purell, for example, that's 70%. Um, And uh, that high alcohol content, of course, does make it flammable. So yeah, one of the interesting things about this has been learning a bit more about Federal Department of Transportation regulations, you can only send so much hand sanitizer on a vehicle at a time and, you know, it needs to be packaged in certain ways and that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, so that's been a whole new world for us because our, our strongest product, um, on a, you know, on a normal day is our white rum, which is half of the strength of the, um, hand sanitizer. So not, and not how are you doing with like delivery and things of that nature? Cause part, another part of the, each, each of these things have multiple layers, right? So, um, how is it that you guys are doing deliveries? Were you able to keep your team on board? Did you have to outsource it? How were you able to, to do that and do it within the regulations? Right. Um, so we had uh, the first week when all the bars and restaurants were required to close down, um, we didn't really realize that this hand sanitizer business was going to be anything to hang our hat on. So, you know, we quickly realized after crunching the numbers that we basically had to furlough the whole team, everybody going on employment, you know, stop paying ourselves, of course. And, um, but then within a week, the demand for hand sanitizer had ratcheted up such that, um, basically almost the entire team, uh, came back and we've had, um, we've been in a really lucky position to be able to give hours and, uh, work and wages to our, um, what's normally our, uh, normally our bar team. They're kind of there around the clock, like filling two ounce bottles of hand sanitizer. Um, some of our bartenders are, um, out running huge deliveries. The bartenders that own, um, own vehicles. One of them owns actually a pretty, pretty cool, funky, uh, panel van type of thing. And, uh, and they've been, running around, you know, as much uh, hand sanitizer as we're allowed to fit in there to drop off at all our, uh, all our customers. So, um, yeah, so it's, it, we've been in a, in a great position to be able to have something. Well, that's amazing. It's, it, you know, it's, it's incredible to watch all around the city. And I mean, across the country, this all hands on deck 
mentality. Um, you know, people have had to change their business models, change what they're doing, and then, you know, get people, you know, get their teams to sort of stay on board. And, and everybody just, everybody I talk to, everybody's in it to win it. And it's, it's really inspiring um, because it could always go a different way. You know what I mean? Um, so let's look ahead. There is all this talk about reopening and I know someday we have to get back to a, a real life, um, some sort of life. Um, it scares me to death that we're talking about it so soon. I, I don't know if we're really ready. I don't know when we're ready, but so what do you guys do is hand sanitizer, yeah. one of your products for the foreseeable future. How do you get, how do you start, how do you start serving your true product again? I mean, are you going to open up the bar? Like, what does it look like? What do you think it looks like for you at this point? Yeah, there are a, a whole lot more questions than answers right now. So um, starting with the hand sanitizer topic, um, those additional regulatory permissions that we got that I mentioned earlier that are the reason we're allowed to do this right now, those are temporary for the duration of the crisis. But what does that mean exactly? Does that mean that, you know, if uh, the Trump administration decides that, you know, they're, they're sick of this and they want everything to reopen that we're not allowed to make sanitizer anymore or we're not allowed to sell it. And, you know, we've got thousands of gallons of inventory or something. Where does that leave us? Um, th there's really no predictability around that. Um, it's, it's definitely been um, filled with uncertainty because, I mean, uh, like you mentioned, when this all started, Purell disappeared from store shelves. I know. Where shelves, did it but go? I got to imagine. Where did it go? Where did all the Purell go? And where did all the toilet paper go? Like, where did it just disappeared it's, and it's never returned. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I, my, um, it's, it is very strange. My, my understanding is that then they've, um, ramped up production, but have been, um, preferentially supplying to, sure. you know, hospitals and healthcare and stuff like that, which is great and makes, makes total sense. Um, but also, you know, if they've ramped up such that all of a sudden they're going to be back on grocery store shelves, then, I, you know, I have no idea of when that's going to happen. Maybe that happens next week. And then, you know, we're, we're done with this. Um, and, uh, so it's a little, it's, it's a little scary because, um, everything we do in this business requires uh, a large purchase. You know, we don't just go like, Oh, we got an order for a couple bottles. Let's buy a couple bottles. We need to buy like 30,000 bottles at a time. We're buying, um, the, we're making hand sanitizer so fast that we can't actually produce the ethanol ourselves. We're buying bulk ethanol by the tanker, 7,000 gallons at a time. So, you know, if we decide to buy another tanker and then all of a sudden we're not allowed to do this anymore because some decision the administration makes, then, you know, mm. we're in real trouble. Um, so, you know, we've got our uh, fingers crossed that all that timing kind of works out somehow, but it's the only thing we got going now. So we kind of got to keep the pedal to the metal because otherwise, um, it's just going to be so a little trip you, to grab the rum sales. Like, um, will you reopen? If you bar, have, if you can open up the bar, but it's in a reduced guest capacity. I mean, how do you? I mean, you don't sell food; it's just drinks. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but like, yeah. you know how drunk people are. I mean, how? I, and and the problem is, is, and and this is a big complaint of mine, especially after the Cinco de Mayo uh, fiasco happening around town, mm -hmm. is that. Um, we can't police ourselves. We're incapable. You know what I mean? And especially if we're drinking. Right. So can the restaurant who is already on, or the bar in this case, already on skeletal staff, 
uh, already working 24-7 or 48-7. Are they also now supposed to enforce mask wearing, social distancing, et cetera? Like, at what point is it too much on the restaurant or the bar to be able to enforce these rules so not only that their patrons are safe, but your employees are safe? Yeah. Um, and the the other question that we're trying to figure out is if we're working at a reduced capacity, um, we already run our bar with sure. a pretty lean staff. We um, pre-batch all our cocktails. Everything's on draft or in a slushy machine or pre-batch. Um, so we can serve a pretty big crowd in there with two bartenders. So it's uh, if our capacity gets cut to you know 20%, 25% of what it normally is, um, we can't really do a proportional reduction in, in staff such that there is, you know, a big enough tip pool per person that everybody's going to, um, come out, you know, th- th- those who work a Saturday shift aren't going to come out with as much cash as they did after a Saturday before this, um, as a result. So there, there's a whole lot of stuff to figure out. Um, the, the more people we bring in, then the more ways we have to divide that mm-hmm. much smaller amount of cash coming in between the staff that's working that shift. So, um, if we try and staff up to do, you know, perfect enforcement and, you know, put a mask around everybody's face when they take one off, um, then it's not going to be worth working there. So there's, there's gotta be some kind of balance point. Um, I do hope that, uh, we are planning for, um, opening up regulations looking like they did for the couple of days when bars, uh, were operating without, um, let's see, what were all the rules? No standing allowed, no bar seating. Um, and that basically takes away, you know, our, our bar is built out as a place to stand, sit at the bar or sit at the one table that we have in our bar. So that regulation basically wound up meaning like, all right, we can have six people in the building for guests. So, um, we're going to need to, you know, buy or build a bunch of new stuff, try and reconfigure the whole floor plan of the place. Um, which is uh, a bit daunting because um, we have no idea when we're supposed to have done that by because we don't know when we're supposed to open. Um, and uh, yeah, there are a whole lot of questions out there. Cause also, like you mentioned, we don't serve food. So our average check size is probably a whole lot smaller than um, a lot of other bars and restaurants that do have something to nibble on. Um, you know, people come in, they'll have two, maybe three cocktails and they go. Um, if, that continues to be the case in, you know, the new way of doing things when we can only have however many people in there. Um, that's not really going to be very sustainable. So we're trying to look at ways to, um, change up our, our programming. Can we come up with like, you have to reserve your seat and it's a prefix menu or you've got a, you know, drink minimum or, you know, we've got to raise our prices and therefore do a, you know, higher level of, service and craftiness that would justify those prices. Um, it's kind of all on the table, but, but, uh, oh, I but without knowing no, for I think sure what we're supposed know, to do and when we're supposed to do so it. It's so hard because hard you're, you're moves. trying to keep so many balls in the air. I do like the idea of either saying, you know, you have to say you're going to have four drinks. Do you know what I mean? Or something like that per two people or something before you come in like that, pe- you know, like, you know, um, what's his name out in Chicago at aviary, you know, you got to purchase it beforehand, you know? And so this way 
at least you know that money is is coming mm-hmm. in no matter what. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's the way for the future. We're all going to have to sort of wait and see. Well, so Jordan, can you tell everybody, please, like, can I get your hand sanitizer? I mean, how do people get your hand sanitizer now? Yeah. um, So we sell um, hand sanitizer and rum and also cocktail mixes out of the front window of our distillery over uh, on on Fifth Street, Northeast Cross Street from Union Market, um, Wednesday through Sunday, noon to 7 p.m. But we also sell to a bunch of retailers around town. Um, On my incredibly long to-do list right now is uh, producing a store map of where you can buy our hand sanitizer. So someday that'll be on our website. Um, but, um, a lot of Ace Hardware locations, uh, a bunch of liquor stores and, um, let's see some streets markets locations. We're working with some other, uh, grocery stores, hopefully, uh, we're, well, we're, well, we're working listen, on those deals right now. So are. yeah, we're really I trying to really get appreciate your time and what you're doing is a necessity, unfortunately. And my real hope is, is that. The next time you and I talk, um, the hand sanitizer has gone away and you're back to just producing your fabulous product and serving it to people who can drink it any way they want to, with who they want to, as close as they want to. Um, Will you just give the website one more time for me, please? Excellent. And spelled out, correct? Yes, uh, at uh, just okay. cottonandreed.com. Check it out for uh, all your correct. rum and hand sanitizing needs. Uh, this is Nikki Nellis, once again, on Industry Night from my bedroom. Um, I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, go to the list, com for the latest happening all around the D.C. food, wine, and hospitality scene from hand sanitizer needs to cocktails, to Mother's Day, to takeaway and to go, not to mention all the virtual events happening all around town. Um, And thank you for tuning in today. Follow me on Instagram at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. Wear a mask, social distance, be safe, and I'll be back with you soon.